In the previous lesson, we discussed the spiritual significance of the holiday of Pesach, the holiday of Passover. And we explained that the theme of Pesach, the theme of this holiday is Zman Cheresenu, the time of freedom. It's a time that we celebrate our exodus from Egypt. And we discussed how even though this actually took place over 3,300 years ago. But nevertheless, the spiritual significance of this event is something which repeats itself every single year on that night of Passover. What is the spiritual significance of this event? And we explain that physically, Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, Exodus from Egypt, means we as a nation were freed from bondage, that the Egyptians held us as slaves, and they didn't allow us to serve God and to be free the way we wanted to. And on this day of Passover, we were freed. We were no longer trapped and locked up by the power of the Egyptian, by through these forces, and now we became free, independent people and able to serve God the way we wish. So we said that in this class we discussed how every year, on the night of Passover, a person is given the spiritual strength to become free. Meaning that just like then, there was a nation called the Egyptians, and they were the ones that didn't let us be free. So too, there is a possibility that a person has something within themselves, something internal, that's not letting that person be a free person. The word Mitzrayim literally means Egypt. But in Hebrew, the word Mitzrayim also comes from the term Meitzar, which means limitations or barriers. In other words, there is a possibility that there is something internally within the person that's a barrier which is not letting the person perform the way they really could and the way they really should. In other words, negative traits, negative character traits, and certain weaknesses of character, weaknesses in personality, which are limiting me and not letting me truly grow and truly advance and make progress in life and live a spiritually productive life because of it. So this is a form of Mitzrayim. That means there's an element within me that's limiting me and I am locked up. I can't be the way I could be. On the night of Passover, a person is given the power to be free. In other words, the power to be able to break loose from these chains, from their personal limitations, and a person is capable of transcending all those personal limitations, going over it and becoming a free person on that level. As this is explained at length in the previous lesson. In fact, to a certain extent, the Mitzrayim, the limitation and the barriers that a person encounters when they're coming from something internal might be even worse than the barriers and limitations that come from outside of the person. Whether it's another individual or it's a nation that's limiting me, it might even be worse when it's something internal for a very simple reason. When there are other people outside of me that are not letting me be the way, the way I should, they're forcing me to be the way they want, or there's a nation that's persecuting me, 
being that it's something external, I always have the alternative to run away to a different country, to escape from the hold of this particular individual. And when I run away from them and I find myself in a different geographic location, I am a free person. I'm not. But when the limitation is coming from within, this is something I can't escape from. Wherever I go and how far away I will run, it comes along with me. So in a certain sense, the internal Mitzrayim, the internal limitations, they are much more of a problem than those limitations that come from outside of me. However, the question is, if this is the spiritual significance of Yitzis Mitzrayim, to be able to transcend limitations, and to be able to break loose from these personal things that are like barriers in my life, how would this apply to a person who doesn't experience this? I mean, there are definitely people who are on a higher level, on a higher spiritual level, that are basically living a decent life, morally and spiritually, doing the right things, not doing things that are negative. And we know that in Torah there are people who are called tzaddikim, righteous people. These people don't have to struggle with overcoming these negative character traits because they don't have them. So does that mean that the whole concept of Yitzis Mitzrayim, in a spiritual sense, doesn't apply to them? I mean, they too are obligated to celebrate our exodus from Egypt. They too are obligated to mention the exodus from Egypt every single day, twice a day. They too are obligated to envision as if in this very generation they themselves went out of Egypt, as all this was discussed in the previous lesson. So if the concept of Exodus on a personal level means freeing myself from negative character traits and from uh, certain aspects of my personality that limit me and don't let me live a productive life, how it apply to a person who is living a productive life? What does it mean for that person? And the answer is, when we say that there's Mitzrayim, there's limitations, there are two kinds of limitations. One is a limitation which is negative. In other words, something negative within me that's not letting me do the positive things and lead a productive life. And then there's another form of limitation. And that is a person who is leading a productive life, a person who is accomplishing and doing only things that are positive, doesn't violate Torah, doesn't violate God's wish in any way, but yet he can be doing it in a limited way. Going beyond limitations means that even the good that I'm doing, I'm able to transcend my own personal limitations and do it on a greater and a higher level. As is an expression in Yiddish, if good is good, isn't better better? As this would also be in the physical level, a person might be very weak. And they have to do something to build up the physical strength, whether it means medication, whether it means vitamins, something just to be able to have that physical strength. But then there's a possibility of a person who is healthy and strong, not experiencing any specific weaknesses, but nevertheless there are things that they can do, certain exercises, to build up their strength to become even stronger. And until they do those exercises, even though they're strong, but they're, they're limited in how strong they are and how much they can lift. Once they do certain exercises to build up their strength, they can go beyond those limitations.
that there are some people that have absolutely no talent in art. They have to do something if they want to develop that talent. Then there are people who do have that natural talent and they can draw very nicely. But nevertheless, they can go for training, they can go to school, and they can learn how to enhance that talent. And it's something which you can go on throughout your entire life. Which means even though they can do something very nicely, they can draw, but there's a limit about how far they can go. And then by learning more, they can develop that talent and go beyond their previous limitations. And once they develop that, they can go ahead and go beyond their new limitations. And they can constantly grow. So just like this applies on the, to the physical level, that as much as there's going from bad to good, there's also going from good to better, the same thing applies spiritually. That there might be a person who is doing everything good, everything that's right, and living a very decent moral life, but it's limited. Person And going out of Mitzrayim on a personal level means to be able to go beyond those limitations. For example, charity. person is not at the level where they're not giving charity. They're giving charity. But in giving charity, there's different levels of how far you go. Some people give money to charity, but they make sure not to give too much. Some people give money to charity and they give miser, which means they give a tenth of their earnings to charity, which is really very nice. Then there's some people that give more than a tenth. They give up until a fifth of their earnings for charity. So that means that a person who's giving charity, but he's not giving a tenth, is doing something good, but his goodness is limited. When he's able to break through that and transcend this limitation, he finds that he's able to give a tenth of his earnings to charity. But then this becomes his limitation. And he can go on for many years giving a tenth of his earnings for charity, but he can't give more than that because this is his limitation. So when a person is able to break loose from that limitation and give more than a tenth of his earnings for charity, that's his personal. He sees it's right. Or talking about extending myself to someone else, not financially, but on a personal level. Being able to tolerate another person, being able to give moral support to another person, being able to give from my time to another person. There are also levels in how far I'll go. The Gemara tells a story about a rabbi, the Preda, who had a student that was very thick-headed. And when he studied with him, he had to review what he studied 400 times in order for him to grasp it and to understand it. So that was the normal order of things. Whenever they studied, this teacher would review with his student the material 400 times, and then he would grasp it, and they went on to the next thing. One time it happened that after the 400 times, the student said that he doesn't understand what's going on. He still doesn't grasp it. And what the rabbi did was he went ahead and he studied with him an additional 400 times for him to understand. And on account of that, he was greatly rewarded. In other words, to learn with a student 400 times, repeat the same material, that takes a lot. And that means that he went beyond the ordinary limitations of ordinary people. But then his limitation was to do it 400 times. Under these circumstances where he went ahead and he did it 800 times, he went beyond those limitations. Or the same with a person studying Torah. It's a mitzvah to study Torah every day. How much time, though, do I spend for the studying of Torah? So one person spends an hour a day. And this is became 
part of their routine. Every day they set aside an hour for the study of Torah, and the rest of the time they do other things, personal things. It comes to a point where this is my personal limitation. I can't spend more than an hour because I have many other things to take care of. And it becomes difficult for a person to add more than an hour in their learning schedule. When a person is able to break loose from that limitation and learn more than that hour, that is a personal Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, going from good to better. And just to point out how important this is, because one might say, what is the big deal? As long as I'm doing something good. So what is it so important that I go beyond these limitations? As long as I'm doing good, why do I have to make sure to go beyond my limitations? The Gemara, the Talmud says that there's a Pasuk, a verse that reads, V'shavta v'ra'isa v'in tzadik v'rasha v'in evid alakim asher lo'yavadai that you'll see the difference between a righteous person and a wicked person, and you'll see the difference between one that serves God and one that doesn't serve God. And the Talmud says that the first half of the Pasuk talks about a tzaddik and a rasha, and the second half is talking about a person who is a righteous person, not a person who commits sin, and yet there's one righteous person which is considered a servant of God. And there's another righteous person which is considered loyabadi, a non-servant of God. How is it possible for someone to be a righteous person and yet to be considered a non-servant of God? And the answer that the Gemara, the Talmud gives is a very strange answer. The Talmud says the following. A person who reviews his studies a hundred times is a non-servant of God. A person who reviews his studies a hundred and one times he is a servant of God. And the question is, what, why would that make the difference? And the answer is, in those days, when they studied the Torah, it was the oral Torah, which means nothing was allowed to be written down. So all the Torah was transmitted from teacher to student orally. And therefore, it was the custom that everything that the students studied were reviewed a hundred times in order for them to remember it. So the Gemara says that if a student who studies Torah reviews what he learns a hundred times, then that student is doing something which is right, something which is a mitzvah, but he's only doing as much as he's accustomed to doing. So he's considered a non-servant of God. But when the student does a hundred and one times, one extra time, then he's considered a servant of God. And the Gemara gives the following analogy. In those days, they used to rent hire donkeys. Just like we have rent a car, they had to rent a donkey. And the price for renting the donkey was that if you traveled with a donkey 10 miles, then you had to pay a zuz. If you traveled with a donkey 11 miles, it costed two zuz. And the question is, if 10 miles costed one zuz, these are the money, the currency that they used in that time, then 11 miles should have been one and a tenth of a zuz. Why is it that 11 miles, which means one extra mile, cost as much as an entire 10-mile trip would cost? And the answer to that is given is because the normal amount of distance that the donkey was accustomed to traveling was 10 miles. 
So when the donkey traveled an 11th mile, that extra mile, because it was more than what it's accustomed to, it exerted more energy, it took out more energy from this donkey than normally one mile would. So this one extra mile, because it was more than what it's accustomed to, it was compared to like going the entire distance of 10 miles again. And so too the Gemara says that because people were accustomed to studying and reviewing their studies a hundred times, therefore this one extra time takes much more out of the person than the entire 100 times. Because here I'm going beyond my personal limitations. I'm going beyond what I'm used to, what I'm accustomed to. So we see from this how not only is it important what the person does, but it's also important of how much effort is involved in what they do. And therefore, in a situation where a person does something which they're not accustomed to do, this is considered much more difficult, and I have to take much more out of myself to do it than doing something which is maybe a lot more, but I'm used to it. It's interesting that the rabbis say, when the Jewish people were in Egypt, one of the ways that they were tortured was that the Egyptians exchanged the work. They gave men to do work for women, that women normally do, and they gave the women to do the work that the men normally do. So the fact that it was very difficult for the women, that makes sense because they had to carry and schlep heavy stones, something that's not, that not, not for them, so it's very difficult. But why would it be so difficult for the men to do the women's job? Basically doing work around the house, which is physically not so much as hard labor as it is to be out there pulling these heavy boulders, heavy rocks. And the answer is because when a person does something that they're not accustomed to do, even if it might be technically lighter, but for that person, it's much more difficult because they're not accustomed to doing it. So we see from this that if you have two people, one person, for example, is been studying every year, every day of his life, studies for two hours Torah. Another person never studied Torah in his life, and that person is having going through this struggle. Should I spend time studying Torah? Should I not? And finally, they're able to overcome and they, they are able to get themselves to study 10 minutes a day Torah. So in some aspect, that 10 minutes a day might be more, more precious to God than the other person's two hours a day. Because the two hours a day, even though it's a lot more in quantity, but I'm already accustomed to that, and it's something which I'm doing for years. The 10 minutes a day, this is something where I'm going beyond my limitations. What exactly is so significant about going beyond my limitations? Why is that so important? And the answer is, when a person goes beyond their limitations, this shows and this expresses that they have true love for God. But when a person does, even if it's good, but they're not capable and they're not ready to go beyond their personal limitations, that shows that they're still lacking in their love for God. We see on a physical level that when two people have feeling for each other, when is one person convinced that the other person really has feeling for them when they see that they're ready to go out of their way to do something for them? In other words, even if you do a lot of things for them which are good and nice and really helpful, but they're never ready to go out of the way for them, 
then they know that they're lacking in their feeling and commitment. A chassid once came to the Tzemach Tzedek, who was the third Rebbe of Chabad, and he complained, Rebbe, what should I do that I do not enjoy learning? I don't have a desire for learning. And the Rebbe answered him, what should I do that I love learning? In other words, you have a problem? I have a problem. You can express your love for Hashem by learning Torah in spite of the fact that you don't enjoy it. But I can't express my love for Hashem through anything because everything that's good, I enjoy doing it. So I don't go out of my way by doing it. A woman once complained that she sees that her husband never goes out to buy her a gift. And the man said, what are you talking about? Last year I got you a watch, and three years ago I got you this, and three years ago I got you that. And her answer was, well, the watch that you gave me was something that you won at a party. When you won that watch, you decide you're going to give it to me as a gift. The other thing you gave me two years ago was something which you got into from the, in the mail, some institution sent it in, and you decided this is a very nice thing to give my wife as a gift. And what you got three years ago was something which somebody in your family gave you as a gift, and you said, that's very nice, I'll give this to my wife as a gift. And the question is, why was she so upset? What's the difference where it's coming from? But the fact is, he gave his wife a gift. And the answer is, she saw that there's absolutely no effort involved, and the man is not going in any way out of his way to get that gift. It's always, when something comes to his hand, that's what he's giving as a gift. In other words, to her, this was an indication that he's lacking in feeling. Because when a person has a feeling, they're not only going to do it when it's coming natural. The person will go out of their way and do something to show and express the feeling that they have. In fact, that's the only thing that expresses true feeling, when one goes out of the way for the other person. However, there's another explanation why going out of our limitations, from good to better, is so important. And that is, the purpose for which we were created was because God wanted us to make this world into a dwelling place for Him. As we explained this in the previous lessons, our purpose is to do good and to bring godliness and spirituality into this world. And by doing that, we're transforming this physical world, this materialistic world, into a spiritual world. However, there are two parts to this mission. Part number one is that God wants the physical world to be transformed into a spiritual world. Part two is that he wants that this should be accomplished through us and through our efforts. Because if God wanted the world to be a spiritual world, it could have been accomplished in a very simple way. Why didn't he just create a physical world? And then he could have transformed that physical world into a spiritual world. So obviously, because God's will was two things. Number one, it should be transformed. But number two, and the main thing is, it should be transformed through us, through human beings and through their efforts. And a human being was created in a way that he has free choice. Because if the human being wouldn't have free choice, but God would create us like robots, that we must perform and do positive things and godly things. So once again, it's God that's transforming the world into a spiritual world, not we. When can it be considered that, it's, that I'm doing it, and it's my accomplishment, the human being's accomplishment, when he has the choice to do it one way or the other, and the human being makes that choice to do the proper thing.
But if there would be no choice, but be created by God and programmed that they must function that way, then the human being has nothing to do with it. In fact, this is the reason why God prefers humans over angels. It says in the Gemara that when Hashem gave the Torah to Jewish people, He gave it to Moshe Rabbeinu to Moses, and He brought it down to us in this world. And the Medrash tells us an interesting story that when Moshe Rabbeinu took the Torah and was ready to bring it down, the angels protested. And they said to God, why are you... They said to Moshe, why are you taking the Torah down? Let rather God give this precious Torah and leave it with us here on the spiritual realm. And God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, why don't you answer them? And he said, I'm afraid of them. And Hashem said to Moshe, you can hold on to my throne... And you don't have to be afraid of them. And of course this is all allegorically speaking. But this is, these are the words of the Medrash. And Moshe Rabbeinu said to the angels, it says in the Torah that you should not steal. Do you have an evil, evil inclination to steal? They said no. And he said it says in the Torah you should not commit adultery. Do you have an evil inclination to commit adultery? They said no. And this is the way he went on and on with all the other mitzvahs. And once this happened, the angel said, you're right. And they gave their consent that he can take the Torah and give it to the Jewish people here on earth. In other words, what was he saying to them? If that's the case, it's the other way around. The angels are higher. They're more spiritual. They deserve the Torah. And the answer is, it is true that they're more spiritual. But their spirituality is something which God gave them. And God programmed them to be that way. It's not something which they are doing. But humans, because they live on a level and in a realm where there is an evil inclination and the person is attracted to do negative things and the person has the free choice to do negative things and yet they choose to do the positive so when they do something positive it's considered that person's accomplishment. They did it because they made the choice to do A and not to do B. So even though angels are much higher, or much greater than humans, there's a story told about Reb Zusha. Reb Zusha was a very great tzaddik, uh, a rebbe, and he once requested from Hashem, he should give him this gift, that he should be able to experience the same fear that an angel experienced, fear of God. And he was given the gift. And moments later he found himself praying and pleading with Hashem that he should take away this gift, because he was so overwhelmed with that fear, he was climbing the walls, hiding under the bed, he couldn't contain it. In other words, angels, what they experience is much greater and, and much more intense than what a human being can experience. But nevertheless, God's pleasure comes from what human beings do. Because when a human being does something, it's their accomplishment. So that means there are two parts in the purpose of creation. One part to transform the world into a spiritual world. Part number two is that this is accomplished through humans and through their effort, through something that they do. So therefore, if a person is born with a nature that they love studying Torah, they love to give charity, they enjoy doing good things, so even though they're doing it, and it definitely it goes to their credit, but to a certain extent it doesn't really have that, that quality of it's something that I'm doing, because I was born with that nature. So being that there's no effort involved, 
and they don't have to struggle, and there's no challenge involved, therefore, in a sense, it's almost like a robot that's been programmed to be a certain way. It's not my accomplishment. And that's why the only way it can be my accomplishment is if I go from good to better. And I go beyond my limitations. When I go beyond my limitations, that's me. That's where there's my input. And the same applies to a person who went beyond the limitations already and has been doing things in a proper way for a number of years, and now that became part of their habit. Going beyond those limitations, that's the higher level of serving God. And that's why a person who doesn't go beyond the limitations is considered a non-servant of God. Of course he's a righteous person. He's doing the right things. But to consider him a servant, that he is Ovidalakim, it's not that he's doing anything. Whatever is happening is sort of happening naturally. There's no input. It's not his accomplishment. So this is something which actually applies to every single day in the year. And that's why every day I'm supposed to be going out of Egypt on a personal level. In other words, every day I'm supposed to be going higher and going beyond my new limitations which were established yesterday. Today I go beyond that. But the time in the year that we get that injection, we receive that spiritual strength to be able to go beyond limitations, even if it's from good to better, that is on the night of Pesach. During 